Um, Lord, we ask for help this morning. I mean, I ask for help to just get through this now. Jeez. Um, it's incredible to be loved by you. And uh, we want to be baptized into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And we want to see a whole world baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you for all that you've been doing and all that you will do. We want to honor you this morning. Amen. Cool, guys. Um, we're in a, a time talking about disciple. What does it mean to follow the way of Jesus together? Following the way of Jesus together. To be his all of life followers. To make all of life followers. And to do that together. Um, we... Uh, We've been looking at the, the Great Commission and, uh, and building a picture in this house that we're going to be living out of for, for years and years to come. I love pictures because they help to bring grand moments in history down to the simplicity of a child, which is who the kingdom is for. And um, Jesus comes and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and and he's looking at his, his followers in the eyes, and they're scared out of their minds because their leader's leaving. They don't know what to do, and Jesus is reassuring them. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes in this great commission, but I often feel like, am I alone? Is this possible, this thing that you've dreamt of, of all the nations filled with your glory, all people, all places? I just kind of feel alone, and I wish you were here. And Jesus says, I am here and I'll always be here until the end of the age. I'm with you. The only reason this thing, this dream that I'm carrying in my heart eternally is possible is because I'm with you. I'm with you to see every people group meet me and know me and love me and worship me and find out how kind and gracious and compassionate and good I am. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Why was it given to him? It was given to him because he lived the life without sin that we could not live. It was given to him because he died the death, a horrendous death on a cross. He suffered for you and I. He didn't deserve to suffer. He never sinned, but he died because of love, because of a choice, because he loves you and he loves me and there's not one human being that he ever created, that he did not love with his entire being crucified on a cross. He loves us. He has authority because he didn't stay dead. God is not good at being dead. He rose from the dead. Death could not hold him. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he came to his followers and he said, because I live, because I died, and because I'm risen, I have authority. And that authority is yours. I am with you now. So whenever you feel like you can't make it, you can't do it, this thing called being a disciple, remember, it isn't you. I am with you. I love you. So he said, go out and baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. We just heard two people that have been immersed, saturated in the affection of a dad. Can you imagine a whole world standing here saying, all I can do, all I can do is think about his love. 
I'm consumed with his delight. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then I want you to grow them up into maturity. Teach them what it looks like to obey me, to live in my love in all of life. Command, obedience, these are hard words for us who have had authority figures that didn't love us like the Father we just heard about. They're hard words when you don't know the one commanding you has your best in mind, better than you can come up with for yourself. Best in his heart. This is the Father. He is good. And so we want to dream together of filling in this box of what did he command? What does it look like to grow people up into maturity as they're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit? Last week, we looked into this picture. We started with, in the Father, we're baptized as family, the beloved sons and daughters, that we should be dripping with delight, saturated in affection, and able to receive his delight even in the desert where we're being changed and formed in his discipline. We looked at what does it mean, and this is a journey that we want everyone in this body to go on. Not only for yourself, but for a world that doesn't know that they are the delight of the Father's heart. This is the good news of the gospel. Amen? This is God's heart for us. And so we welcome people. And I mean, dozens of people came up and just got baptized in love again. Tears all over the front of this place. Today we're going to look at being baptized into the Son and into the Spirit. Being baptized into the Son means that we take up the sacrificial nature of love to be servants. This is the king that we have, and we're going to unfold him today. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be given power to put him on display, to be his witness, his ambassador in every place that we go. We're going to unfold these two identities this morning. Baptized in the Son, servants. Baptized in the Spirit, the sent ones, the ambassadors with authority from a king to represent him. That may be a little bit scary, but it is who you are. It is your identity. And unless forgiveness is seen in your life, it won't be seen. Unless grace is seen through your life, it won't be experienced. Unless mercy is poured out through your mouth, it won't be heard. He says he has no other plan. We are the people of God. It's beautiful. We're unfolding this picture. I want to go back to the Jordan River. 30 years, a long road to this river. Crescendoed as the heavens open up. And God, who we find out in that moment, is first a father, has words to speak, and is not over what the son has done. He's lived a perfect life, but but God doesn't speak to that. The Father speaks before he's ever done a miracle, before he's ever done a work of justice, before he's ever healed, before any of that stuff. And the Father says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In a river, 30 years, the Father took a slow, patient journey to baptize God in the flesh in his delight. He is not in a hurry to baptize you into his affection. This is his passion for you. It is the gospel. It's the good news. And in that river, we find out who God is. He's a father bursting with delight over his son. He is pleased with you. He loves you. 
But in that moment, we find out that the Spirit of God descends on sonship. 30 years to become a secure son in his identity. And everything he will do will come out of that place. Every prayer that is prayed, every healing that is done, every moment of justice, every word that is spoken will flow out of secure sonship. Can you imagine your life in that way? It is who we are. It's who the Father has made us to be. It is our identity. And the Spirit of God lands on this one. And that is what the Christ means. I didn't grow up in the church. I thought Christ was Jesus' last name. I, I really did. But I found out later that it means he's the anointed king. Who, what is he anointed with? He's anointed with the Spirit of God. Bodily, like a dove, the Spirit comes down and it says the Spirit of God filled Jesus' humanity. The Spirit without measure. The Spirit without limit. And from this moment, we watch this Son dripping with delight. We watch Him become the sent one, the ambassador from heaven. He is here to reproduce on earth what he's enjoyed with his Father and the Spirit in heaven forever. He is taking that environment and he is representing it on earth. That is what Jesus came to do, to reveal the very glory of the Father and the Spirit eternally in heaven and to reproduce and bring it forth on the earth. Do you know that that's why you're alive? That you would take the environment of heaven and reproduce it on the earth. It's what it means to be an ambassador, a representative. He left heaven's glory and entered into our story, taking on our flesh to represent and reproduce what he had enjoyed eternally on the earth. That is incredible. What a moment in history as he arises out of the Jordan as an ambassador of the Father. What's so amazing about this is that you can never say he did a miracle because he was God. Or he healed because he was God. Or he spoke with such grace because he was God. Or he stewarded his life and sexuality and, and his money so purely because he was God. No, the point of this man is that he lived exactly like we have to live. In fact, Philippians 2 said he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he would empty himself and live as a human completely 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit in every moment, just like you and just like me. You can never say God did that. You have to say there was a man named Jesus who decided to fully surrender to the Spirit. This is what it means to be an ambassador. You see, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit to put God on display. One time I was talking to the Lord just about uh, the Holy Spirit. It's kind of having a conversation. I might have been teaching on the Holy Spirit or something. And into my kind of prep, I was like, man, teach me about you, Holy Spirit. Teach me about what life looks like in this. I'm doing some reading, and all of a sudden I just feel this subtle, subtle whisper, and I never conceived of this thought. I knew that it wasn't myself. 
You know when that happens? We, you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that, that definitely wasn't me. I'm not smart enough to think that thought. The Spirit said this beautiful thing. He said, the happiest place I ever lived was in the body of Jesus. Have you ever thought about God inside of God? Have you ever like meditated on the spirit as a person living in the person of Jesus in human flesh? I had never conceived of that. And I'm like, what do you mean Jesus was the happiest place you ever lived? And he said, have you ever had a friend that totally lets you be yourself? Have you? Man, if you haven't experienced that, I, I bless you in that. Man, Julie is a friend like that for me. She wants the greatness to come out of me. She's not intimidated by my weaknesses or my gifts or my personality, which can be pretty crazy, or my ups and downs. Like, Julie is a friend of friends. She lets me, I feel liberated in her presence. Now, this is what the Spirit was saying about Jesus. The Spirit said, Jesus was a friend that let me be fully myself in every moment without measure. This started to blow my mind, this idea. The Spirit said, I have all joy in heaven. I have all power in heaven. I have all wisdom in heaven. The only problem is when a human puts a resistance barrier up to and doesn't access all of that. And so the Spirit said to me, Jesus was a zero resistance home for me. What in the world? This became my prayer. What if I, instead of thinking my own thoughts, could say, would you fill my thoughts with what you're thinking? Instead of just feeling what I feel, the Spirit has emotions saying, would you infuse my emotions with what you feel about this? Instead of just doing what I want to do, I started to say, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? And I made it my life goal to be a zero resistance home for the Holy Spirit. Watch out, that is uncomfortable. <laughs> the happiest place the Spirit ever lived was in the body of Jesus because Jesus goes, do whatever you want to do. So when the Spirit in Jesus would find a heart or a mind troubled and weighed down in fear, Jesus would go, man, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like heaven. Let's bring peace from heaven to earth into this person's heart. You see, he was looking for every environment on earth that did not live and feel like heaven where God reigns in peace, righteousness, and joy. Wherever there was a deep oppression and even a depression in the emotions, you would see Jesus who was anointed with joy above all else, above all others, Begin to release the Spirit's joy into that person and into their life. This is what it meant for Jesus to be an ambassador. Through his words and through his deeds, he was putting on display heaven coming into earth. In other words, the kingdom of God. The king was walking around, surrendered to the Spirit, saying yes. In fact, Jesus said, I never did anything that I didn't see my father doing. I didn't even say any words. I didn't hear my father saying, and not only how to say it, or what to say, but how to say it, the tone in which I say it. And so the father and the spirit 
began to work through this ambassador, and this ambassador was representing the kingdom every single place he went. Jesus, can you see him in the middle of a crowd being pressed into, and all of a sudden he feels life and power come out of him because he said yes to the Holy Spirit. Even unconsciously, the power of life and healing was flowing out of him. He was creating an environment, an atmosphere where God's reign and rule, his kingdom, could be present. And this woman breaks down weeping. She's gone to every doctor imaginable. Twelve years she suffered bleeding in shame. Unclean by the law of the Jews. And Jesus feels power go out of him. Walking as an ambassador. And this moment of healing takes place in her life when she had nowhere else to go. The kingdom looks like healing, breaking out in our lives. That's what the ambassador work looks like. It looks like celebration. Jesus was taking all those who were displaced in culture and he was bringing them to his actual table or he was going to theirs even better. And the 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 religious leaders didn't understand it, but you see, heaven always comes to earth celebrating those who do not feel their worth or feel loved or celebrated. See, this is what it would look like. This is what it would look like, right? For the ambassadorial work of Jesus to come through our life, to celebrate, to heal. Jesus would find somebody in a tomb They were filled with all kinds of evil spirits. No one would go near, but Jesus would go near because his kingdom of love and light is mightier than every single thing the enemy has to bring into the world. He would bring sanity where there is mental illness. This is what it would look like to love those with mental illness in Kansas City to be ambassadors, to not be scared or intimidated, but to realize there's a God who loves you and cares for you and brings his kingdom right here to where you are. He would even raise the dead because he was an ambassador of heaven. There's a couple of beautiful scriptures. John 20, 21 and 22, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Welcome to the story, sons and daughters of the Father. You are ambassadors of heaven. He has no other plan. (laughs) We are the people of God, saved by the power of God, for the purpose of God, to put him on display to bring his presence to every place. You are sent as Jesus was sent. And he says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And in 2 Corinthians 5.20, just to make it really explicit, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As though God was making his appeal through your very body, to celebrate those who don't feel celebrated, to heal those who are broken, 
to restore those who have been damaged by sin and the world and the abuses that it brings. This is what it means to bring the kingdom of heaven in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and everywhere we go. Why can we do it? Because you have the same spirit filling you that filled Jesus. You are ambassadors of heaven. And what is profound about this ambassadorial work is that Jesus was a king, a real king. But kings, they like to accumulate wealth and land, and they like to make everyone else subservient to them for their own gain. But you see, this king gave up all of his inheritance, all of his glory, all of his riches. He came into our land, into our skin. He laid down absolutely every bit and right of his privilege so that he could come and show us what a real king is like. A king who knows what it looks like to work a blue-collar job for 30 years. A king who knows what it means to be utterly dependent as a tiny little baby. He did not come in all of his power and his pomp and, and, and with all of his might. He came as a servant of all. This is the king that we're talking about. Why did he have to do this? Because we would not serve the least. And so he would come... And in the display of his kingly nature and kingdom, his ambassadorial calling, his calling was to represent God as the servant of all. It crescendos in this meal. Every moment of healing, celebration, deliverance, resurrection, every moment of his kindness and goodness, if you don't see it this way, we miss the picture. If we make love something different than self-sacrificial kindness, then we have missed love altogether. Love is defined by total self-sacrifice. It existed in the Trinity before creation, and it was fully seen in the life of Jesus Christ. How do we know what God's like? Jesus Christ the King came to serve. He comes to a meal in John 13. It's a profound and incredible moment in history. It's a few days before he's about to give his life. And it said the hour had come for him to depart from the world and go back to his father. He's aware of the situation in the moment. And he's sitting there with his closest friends who have seen all this ambassadorial work over three years. And it says he knew he was going back to the Father. You see, everything Jesus is about to do and everything he did in those three years could only be done because he was saturated in his sonship. Because his foundation was beloved. And so he knows he's going back to the Father. He knows whose he is. And it says this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the uttermost. This meal was about to be a display of the ultimate nature of servanthood. So it says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, what a key. He knew whose he was, where he was from, and where he was going. Only the secure can serve. 
or else you'll fight for your own success to put yourself first all the days of your life. Only those who know they belong to the Father can lay it all down. Only those who know they're loved don't have to scrap and fight for love and value and approval. So he knew whose he was. He was anchored in secure sonship. And it says then, he got up from the table, he took off his outer garment. Can you see this happening in creation? Jesus leaving the Father's glory, he would take off his outer garment of being like God. And it said he would become a servant, emptying himself in Philippians 2. It says he gets down at that table and he begins to serve and wash their feet. And Peter goes, no, you can't wash my feet. I have to wash your feet. And Jesus goes, unless I do this, we can't have any part with each other. And Peter goes, just like pro probably we would, flips the pendulum. Okay, wash me all. Send me to the car wash. And Jesus goes, you don't understand. I have to wash you where you've come in contact with the world. I have to wash you where your feet have walked on the dirt. And I ask you, where have you been contaminated by the world? Where have you been most broken? Because unless you'll let Jesus in his love serve you there, you'll never be able to serve other people. You see, the gospel doesn't start with us as servants. The gospel starts and finishes with a God who serves you. He serves you where you're most broken. He's even going to come and he's going to be bloodied and beaten and die on a cross. He's going to take off his glory, be stripped of all of his clothes, naked in front of the world to meet you where you have been damaged. Will you let Jesus serve you where you've been broken? If you won't, you can't receive the gospel. He came to serve you, not just wash your feet, but serve you to death. This is our gospel. This is our king. Amen? Amen. So we have to welcome him in the deepest place to meet us. Or how will we ever serve the world? Jesus says, if I, your master, has done this for you, shouldn't you go and wash the feet of the world. For a, for a servant isn't greater than his master. And so Jesus begins to take us into this place of servanthood. This deeper place. 1 Corinthians 4.1 says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. Stewards of the mysteries of God. There's a scripture that has deeply impacted me in my life. And... Uh, some nights when I lay in bed, I even talk to my wife about it. I learned a little song as a kid, and, and, and it was, uh, I don't want to be a goat. Nope, nope. I just want to be a sheep. Bad, 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 bad. Anyone heard that song? Man, that's a, that's a great kid's song. Until you read where it came from. Jesus is about to die, and there's a showdown at the temple with the religious leaders. And Jesus begins to unfold the end of the age. What is really going to happen? Every single one of us, oh my gosh, we are going to come face to face with the real king. His name is Jesus. He has two eyes and two hands. He's become a man forever. He loves us. And we're going to meet him face to face. And I want to read this wild scripture. It's a bit long. 
but bear with me because this is Jesus teaching us about what is most important. To be baptized into the Son is to be servants of all. It says this, when the Son of Man comes, this is Jesus talking, in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Just close your eyes while I read this. This is crazy. And before him will be gathered all the nations. This is what the Great Commission is talking about. Every human being is going to come before the face of that king, one man, all of history. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's been storing up an inheritance for you before you were even created. When you were an idea in his mind that he loved, he's been waiting to give you inheritance before the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. And then he talks to those on his left and says the exact opposite. I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was naked, you gave me no clothes. I was a stranger, I had no home. You did not invite me in. I was in prison, you never came to see me one time. And they'll say, Lord, when did we miss all these opportunities? And he said, if you didn't do it to the least, you didn't do it to me. And then this last line, which I'm really liking reading things that make me uncomfortable these days. If you read something in the Bible and it rubs your theology, go to prayer on your knees. It says this, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You say, I didn't think that you went to eternal life based on works. No, you don't. The righteous are the righteous because of faith. They're the righteous because of faith, but those who are righteous, they become like their king. They become just like their king. I had this kid in my neighborhood. Julie and I decided we were going to open our, our, our driveway because we have a basketball goal. There's not many in our neighborhood, so we have kids all the time when it's warm. And there was one kid that I really started connecting with, and I, I would talk to the Holy Spirit about him. I just love this guy. And one day we were chatting, and I felt the Spirit just lead me to kind of ask him more questions. I realized this, he had this one sweatshirt, and that's all he had. It was starting to get really cold. So I felt the Lord say, ask him questions. He goes, what's my birthday? So I was just trying to say yes to the spirit, that surrender to the spirit thing. And so the Holy Spirit immediately goes, go in and give him your sweatshirt, the one you love. So I was like, ah, no, seriously? (laughs) So I go in, I get the sweatshirt, and then joy starts filling my heart. The reality is you're probably going to get before his face and go, I didn't even think about it. Why? Because out of your identity came all this stuff. Not because you, you constantly 
pressured yourself into being a servant. No, the righteous will say. Because they become like their king. So I went, I gave him the switch, and I mean, you should have seen the look on this kid's face. It was unbelievable. He was undone. So I went to look for him a few weeks later, and no one would tell me where he was, so they went, he went to live somewhere else. Okay, I went back a few weeks later. Finally, they said he's been sent to juvie. I'm like, oh, man. Broke my heart. So I said to the mom, can I go visit him? Can I go hang out with them? She said, I don't know if they're taking visitors. Well, through that, we meet another family who was living in that house that we've ended up walking with in this deep way. But months and months and months went on, and my friend didn't get out of juvie. I kept checking back, asking, could I go visit? No, you can't. One day, I'm walking down the road. I'm actually talking to John Peterson on the phone, and I see my friend walking down my road to come play basketball. I'm telling you, it was crazy. I just instinctually ran. I'm like, uh-oh. And you know when you're like, your mind's catching up with your body? And he opens his arms up, and he throws his arms around me. And I'm like, what now? <laughs> and I go, oh, I've been you. He goes, I could tell. I could tell. I don't know where this relationship's going, but I know the Spirit said, give him a sweatshirt. The Spirit said, go check on him. Try to visit him in jail. I met another family that we've gotten a job for and has become a part of our relationships and our network through following the Spirit. One sweatshirt led to all kinds of things. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at my friend Sam Smith. Sam and Tamika, let's give these guys a round of applause. They're incredible. I love them. Sam and Tamika are inner city missionaries at the Hope City House of Prayer. But Sam's story is crazy. He didn't know his dad well. He grew up pain all around him. And what he knew, where he found belonging, was with the wrong people leading him down the wrong path. But there was a family that decided, we're going to pray for this guy. There were people that decided, I didn't even know you were going to be here. This is so crazy. The, the, there were people that decided, we're going to go when he's in juvie, and we're going to visit him, and we're going to pray for him. And then he went back again, and we're going to keep going. And then they went and advocated before the judge, and then he got put on house arrest in the house of prayer. And now he is one of the freest most incredible guys I've ever met. He's got a beautiful wife. He's walking in covenant. He's leading dozens and dozens of inner city kids into hope because somebody went to prison and visited because somebody believed in this guy. Here's the reality. And I could tell you so many stories. I'm thinking about my friends I'm going to visit in South Africa. And just the next week, our faith fund goes to these guys. Our faith fund goes to those guys in South Africa. My friends, the portals, their mom, her mom dies of cancer. They take the inheritance and buy a house in the poorest, most dangerous community in all of South Africa. Use their inheritance to get an inheritance forever. And then they build an addiction recovery house for teenage boys onto their house. Hello, missional living. And they bring 18 to 25-year-olds into their home, and they built a prayer room in the garden in the middle of a township, 
And they teach them dignity, value, work ethic. And these kids are getting free into a world they never knew was possible. To be surrendered to the Spirit is to be an ambassador. But you will not be an ambassador without the sacrificial love of Jesus. You see, here's what this is all about. Don't you understand? This is what's crazy. Jesus was made a prisoner, put in chains and beat. He was stripped naked and put on a cross. He said from the cross, I am thirsty. You see, he is these things. And on that cross, he became the sin and damage that was our sickness, our disease that broke us. You see, you have a king that when you were naked, became naked so you could be clothed in Christ. You have a king who gave you his body as your actual food. You were in prison to sin, and he came and he said, you can be free and totally free. And my father, you see, Jesus is the servant. Jesus is the gospel. And he says, will you be baptized into me? This morning, I want to give a, a response time. It's really simple. If you want to be a zero resistance home for the Holy Spirit and, and take that soberly because the Spirit has a better life for you than you've made up for yourself, but it is uncomfortable. I want you to stand and just open your hands if you say, I want to be a zero resistance home for the Holy Spirit because we don't know where this is going to lead us, but we know that it's better than the life we can come up with. We did not sign up for a life we can live, but only the one the Spirit can live through us. Yeah? I want to be like Jesus. So if you want to surrender to the Spirit and say, I don't know what you're going to do, but I trust you, just open your hands and just pray with me, if you would, out loud so you can hear it. Father, thank you that you love me. Baptize me in belovedness. Completely saturate me in your affection. Today, I make a choice to be surrendered to the Spirit, to give you an unconditional yes in my thinking, in my feelings, and in my choices. I want to be a zero resistance home for the Holy Spirit until you are happy in my life as my closest and dearest friend. Amen. Lord, thank you for every one of these. I just want one more thing. And this one's a little more intense. If as a surrender to the Spirit, beloved son or daughter, you want to say, Jesus, I don't know what this means, but I want to serve those that the world calls the least. I don't know where that's going to take me. I don't know where that's going to look like. If that's you, if you're able, I want you just as a physical sign to go to your knees. And I'm not going to pray for you. I want you in your own language to pray, in your own heart to pray. If you can't go to your knees, just sit in your chair as a sign to the Lord, just physically saying, I want to serve in this way. I'm not even going to pray. Just take a moment and just give your life to the servant of all.
Jesus, we were naked and you clothed us in righteousness. We were strangers and you welcomed us home to a family. We were thirsty with desire for love, but you satisfied us with your delight. And we want to go and serve those the world calls the least, who the world has forgotten. We want to serve with everything in every moment, but Lord, specifically send us to serve those the world calls the least. We surrender to you, not to prove something, but because we are so incredibly loved by you. We want the whole world to know the good news of Jesus Christ through our total surrender and servanthood. Amen. Let's stand and hold hands. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. You guys are amazing. I'm so honored to be a part of this family, believing to be baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please join us next week. Jim Yost is a legend and a hero of the faith. I'm kind of shocked that he's even coming. I believe that just marks the Lord's kindness to us. We're going to be looking at the first command to repent and believe next week. That all the commands without this father just become empty religion and performance. And so as we pray today, we're going to say our father and we're going to ask for the kingdom to come. But when we pray that, we're going to know that we're those servant ambassadors who are going to present that kingdom and bring it from heaven to earth. It doesn't come in a big swoop. It comes through everyday lives of his people, his church. So let's pray this prayer together. Our Father.